Hi, this is Paul Logue from Medium's Curse, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Now, the question is, my friends, are you evil or are you divine? Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another edition of Focus on Metal. Got another great show for you this week as we round out November of 2016. First up, we'll be talking to Paul Logue from Eden's Curse. Paul uh, was a prior guest on the show, back again for a lot of good discussion about their brand new release, Cardinal. Also this week, got a very cool guest, that would be Frank Domino. You guys might have known him as the original singer for Angel. And Frank has stayed very busy in the music industry after the Angel years, and this seems to be the year of the uh, the Angel former member solo albums, with Punky putting out one earlier this year, and Frank put one out as well called Old Habits Die Hard. It's a very cool album, lots of special guests on there, and uh, we delve into that one deeply with Frank this week. So given two guests and a lot to talk about, I'm going to once again, like last week, just forego track of the week and dive right into our talks with our guests. So we'll play a little something off of the brand new one from Eden's Curse called Cardinal, and then we'll get right into it with Paul Logue. So to kick it off, I'm going to play you the lead off track on the album. This one is called Prophets of Doom, and I guarantee this chorus will stick in your brain for days. Scott. Hey, Paul. How we doing, man? I'm well. How's yourself, brother? Not bad. I, I can't believe it's been uh, just shy of three years since the last time I talked to you. I was just looking up the contact. It's like, holy crap, has it don't really been that long? I know. Are you, are you, are you fell out with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have we not? Are we not speaking terms anymore, Scott? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I. I you're letting me down, brother. Uh, I know. But not on the musical front. I got to tell you that. Uh, very very cool new album from you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm delighted that you like it. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and you know, you you talk a lot about in the promo stuff too about the fact you know you want to get the songs right and all that, and, and you know, some bands say that, and you're like, well, it sounds pretty much like the last one. But uh, listening through Cardinal, I'm like, all right, they're not shitting us on this. They definitely uh, took a lot of time putting this stuff together and uh, getting a little bit more proggy in there too. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, definitely an element of uh, you know prog in there for sure. I mean, I think I think groups like uh, you know Dream Theater, Early Queensrÿche, um, were are always definite influences of ours. I just think that we tried some elements previously. You know, probably from Trinity onwards. We you know Jerusalem Sleep was probably the biggest or first thing that we've ever done that's bordered on the prog side. And um, we we decided to try that more on Symphony of Sin, and I just loved the way that that track came out. Right. Um, and I think that when you've got someone with the technical abilities of Thorsten in the band, there's always uh, that element of being able to take things further. It's just whether we can keep up with him in many of the cases. So when 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 Chris actually joined the band, um, you know the songs were were very much going on as normal um, I think unashamedly only uh, Find My Way and uh, Jericho were definitely the two that I decided to take on a proggy road trip and uh, you know have longer instrumental sections you know I've got the, the whole passage with the orchestra and Find My Way and, and definitely um, Jericho was to kind of break down into maybe something typical kind of John Petrucci riff and take the whole solo section on a, a complete road trip. So when uh, Christian arrived in the band, it was a kind of thing where Thorsten would say to him, dude, can you do this? And Christian would say, yeah, but can you do this? <laughs> and those those two guys just bounced off each other and lifted it even more in a proggy direction. So it was awesome. Uh, and when we were getting the kind of tracks back from Thorsten and Christian were going, oh wow, this is incredible, this has really lifted passages of the song that you thought were just going to be standard fare into a different world altogether, so um, that, that was such a cool thing for your ears to hear, and it works, you know, and I think I think I write a lot of the material, Scott, so when I'm writing each of those different sections, I'm thinking imagine what Thorsten can do over this, and now have that facet of Imagine what Thorson and Christian can do over this, whether it's simultaneously, whether it's on their own, you know, and whether it's in harmony, whether it's in unison. There was just so many avenues that we can can explore now. So um, it was it was a joy to be a part of, and it was extremely technically challenging. The the hardest set of songs we've ever recorded and written, uh, and boy oh boy, are we finding that out as we're rehearsing it for the the up and coming tour. Um, not that we can't play them, but can we play them and put backing vocals into the equation as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I like the fact, too, that, you know, we, we're bringing in, you know, a lot more of the keyboard voice in here and stuff that, you know, a standard band would kind of just bury that along with the songs. But I like the fact that you're allowing the keyboards and the guitars, like you said, there's, there's stuff they do together. But I really like the fact that a lot of times they're standing alone and, and really showing what each player can do individually instead of just kind of yeah. fighting with each other. And I think that adds an extra level of maturity to all the songs. 
Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I think gone are the days, I think when we probably started out in our earlier days, um, I mean, Thorsten would be the first person to tell you that the first Eden's Curse album was how many notes can I play and how fast can I do them? And the second album, he started to recognise that, hang on a minute, I can come out with melodies that show all my technical chops, but play for the song as well. I mean, there's some incredible solos on that debut, but he'll say himself at this time when he hears back, he goes, mm, I could, I could kind of recut some of them again if I did. But that's history. That's that's you know, I always make that's your footprint in history. We're out the door. And none of us knew where this was going to lead to. So nowadays, there, there are sections where he's stripping back the, the the guitar just to have strumming acoustics to let the, the keyboards breathe. And that shows the sign of not only you know a real team player, but also a good producer's ear as well, because yeah. he wants he wants the keyboards to soar. And it's not all about, is Christian better than me? Or, or who's the best soloist? It's what's the best for the song. And that's that's not something that everyone learns immediately. Um, you know, it would have to be a very in tune brain musically and professionally that, that can determine that straight out the gate. And and of course we we work with Dennis Ward, who's one of the finest in the business, who is 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 great at advice on that. And his mix, to be honest, when everything is full on, you can still hear it. You can walk in and out that guitar solo and still hear the air coming from it. You can go underneath the keyboard lead line and feel it. And Dennis Dennis said that the reasons that the the keys are so massively mixed was the parts are so good. Uh, and, and I remember when we sent the tracks to him, he was saying, this guy is incredible. He's got such a bombastic style. I really want to mix these keyboards as high than, than you've ever heard keyboards. And he says, but at the same time, I'm going to make sure the guitar's louder than the guitars have ever been on Eden's Curse. So he went for that almost Nightwish approach with it. And I think sonically it's just... You know, it's 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 a wall of uh, a wall of sound. To be honest, it's great. Yeah, it definitely is. And and uh, I also think that uh, you know having John come in on the drums and he's a, just a, such a different drummer from Pete. I mean, I, I love Pete's playing, but it, you can really feel a difference in the driving of these songs with with John's drumming on it. Absolutely, yeah. He's 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 definitely from a different school. Both great players, uh, and I think Dennis deserves a lot of um, credit. As does, as does Thorsten. Thorsten worked very closely with John in terms of some of the parts because um, you know there was a lot of kind of syncopated parts where the bass, guitars, and drums, and even keyboards at certain points in the song were to be so locked tight with each other that if if John decided to play something different. Um, it would have thrown, not the whole thing out, but it just wouldn't have sounded as tight. And, and Thorsten and John worked brilliantly with that. John, John's such a great team player that, that when, when you try things with him, you, you explain it to him and you can give him a little idea of what we're talking about. He goes away and tries it and comes back and says, you, you, you were spot on. That, that's definitely the way to do it. So everybody in the band um, is mature enough to, to know what the goal is and the goal is is always to have the song the best as it possibly can be but it was phenomenal to actually get a chance to go out and record the drums live with Dennis out in uh, Germany so we used the same studios that Unisonic uses in Pink Cream 69 and the reason for that being is I'm, I'm such huge fans of those bands and always loved the drum production that Dennis got so we, we wanted to emulate that with this album but definitely in style from Pete you know, John's more coming from the school of thought that you know, kind of Scott Rock and Field, Morgenstein, Cozy Powell, that kind of area, and yeah. it really shows. In fact, even Pete himself, who 
co-wrote the entire record with us um, and, and did some of the harmonies on it, said, wow, these drum parts are great, really, really well thought out. So it was cool for John to get that kind of feedback from Pete as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely Cozy Powell, that you hit it right on the head when you bring up compare Cozy uh, to John. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's his biggest influence. So I think that's quite evident when you when you hear it. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain way that that Cozy would hit the drums, and you'd know that's Cozy. And and John's got that same kind of feel, which is great to have a drummer that's that's got a signature. I mean, that's really adds to the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one thing I noticed on here too is that you guys have really you always have these really cool intros, but it feels like you've stepped up the intros. And even sometimes, like with Kingdom of Solitude, I'm hearing this intro riff, and I'm thinking. Where are they going to go with this? Like, how are they going to migrate from this into something that is more what what uh, Nicola would sing over? And it was just really, to me, anyways, it was brilliant how you actually did that changeover from that really cool intro riff into the actual verse. And and just, I think I love a lot of the stuff you guys did with that kind of uh, the conversion over from the beginning of the song into it. <laughs> nice to hear that it's something um you know i, I, I just write naturally as a, as a songwriter that um I, I like kind of little mood setters sometimes left field sometimes right field sometimes dead of center you know um it, you know for me it just i think coming in sometimes just straight with the riff is kind of boring mm-hmm. um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and uh, you know it's 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 I don't know where they truly come from is the answer to that. It's just really what what comes out of the head and through the hands and, and onto those strings at the time that, that you're just playing for 
the mood or the theme or the moment. Sometimes I like the, you know, if you've got the the, the kind of intro, I'm trying to think of a particular example, something like Roams and Fire on the new record where you do, 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 and then you're going, I mean, I know that the song's going to start and it always starts in my head when I'm writing it with that kind of Aussie type J.K. Lee riff. But to give the people a sense of anticipation, I think it sometimes allows the riff to hit in even heavier and even more impact. So that's the idea. Um, I'd like to ask you a question for a change here on Kingdom of Solitude, guitar or bass on that intro? Uh, yeah, I, that was one thing. that The first thing that struck me on that was that how up the bass was on it, which was really nice to hear like what you were doing. And, and that mm. honestly, even though I know I'm talking to you, it's not kind of blowing smoke. That was the first thing I noticed was, wow, the bass is just, it really sucked me in on that. Yeah. Yeah. But do you, I mean, one thing that a lot of people have not picked up on is that it's actually a guitar. A lot of people think it's a bass. It's not a slap bass at all. It's a kind of fusion thing that Thorsten plays, but, um, and when, it, when I heard that demo back from him, um, I'd given him the kind of uh, song idea, which mine was pretty much a kind of straight ahead bluesy drop D version. And uh, he said, dude, I've, I've kind of taken this somewhere else, but have a listen. And I'm saying, wow, what is this? And then that riff comes in sounding like Nuno Bertencourt. You know, it sounds like something out, get the funk out of here. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 yeah it, which it was. It fooled me. It, it definitely fooled me. And, uh, that is cool that it is guitar, and, and uh, I always just thought, wow, Paul's like really stepping this whole thing up. But uh, <laughs> you got you other go. good stuff in there. But uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely fooled me. Very cool, very cool. Good. So um, it was. I thought that "Sell Your Soul" was kind of a. I mean, they're all very different, but it was to me, anyways. It seemed like an odd choice for for the single on the on the album. So, kind of, what was the impetus behind that? Well, uh, for us, it's just a catchy, cool song, and it's got a good vibe. Um, one of the, the main kind of drivers was was obviously being able to record a video for it. Um, so we looked at potentially The Great Pretender. We looked at, um, you know, Messiah Complex or Saints and Sinners, Find My Way, Unconditional. And, and just with the whole kind of nature of what we would have to do to come up with concepts for those songs, um, we felt that Sell Your Soul was the best. I do appreciate that it's slightly maybe lighter in style, but it still is, you know. I think uh, whatever way you dress it up, it still is. And it allowed us to do a very kind of tongue-in-cheek cool video with the five girls that were on the cover. So that, that was the main thing for it. The whole thought process was a kind of synth meets um, uh, kind of guitar, like something maybe that, that Circus Maximus would do, that kind of style for it. And it's very, very just positive and uplifting in terms of the lyrics and, and the feel-good factor. So for us, it was, it was, uh, it was a, a straight-ahead choice, to be honest. Mm. Cool. No, I mean the other ones you mentioned. That was my first choice would have been Messiah Complex, and my second choice would have been Saints and Sinners. So it's cool they were in the list, but uh, definitely my yeah. favorite track off it is Messiah Complex. I mean, Saints and Sinners is one of the darkest lyrics I have ever written. Mm. Um, it's a, it's about an awful case, to be honest, um, and and I really didn't want that to be the video as much as I felt that the song is absolutely incredible. I didn't want to go there with a, a visual representation. It's it's actually about a, a priest who abused, a true story of a priest who abused uh, deaf and dumb 
boys in a Catholic school, and um, it's it's just a horrific song. So, in terms of that, the the, the, the lyrical context, I, I just said I want to steer clear of this from a video. I mean, we could do it. We we could do it. Um, kind of not completely linked, but I felt that you know why would you shy away from doing a video, but. It was one I, did, I just didn't want to go there, Scott, with that one. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great song. It's one that I love. It's, again, one of the heavier elements. And then the verse is completely kind of melodic and takes you in a, a kind of different direction. And the vocals on it are just stunning. Absolutely yeah. Yeah. stunning. That's part of what I liked about it is that, you know, you listen into the lyrics, but you listen into the way that Nicola's presenting them, too. And it just, yeah. just go together. And, and yep. I think that's probably one of the reasons I liked it. It was just... You know, a lot of times, like I'm listening to an album, and the first time through, I'm really listening to a lot of the instruments and how they're working together and all that. And and it's pretty rare that I dive right into a lyric on a song, but that one was one that I just was like, "Wow, he's like he's saying some stuff in this song." And, it, and that one was yeah. really good, brought me in more with lyrics for it, which is kind of very unusual. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool to hear that. Yep. Um, I mean, again, uh, if you if you wanted to read more about it or, or see it, the actual, it was a documentary I watched on Netflix called uh, I think it's Mea Culpa: Silence in the House of God. So check check it out. It's it's harrowing stuff, but um, you know, uh, certainly a, a cool song and, and one that I'm I'm quite proud of for sure. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you had Liv Christine guested on this one. Was that a song that you were, when you guys wrote it, you were intending you were going to bring Liv in to sing, or did that just something that developed out of the out of the process? Yeah, it just developed. In fact, we, we, we actually get asked that kind of thing all the time when we do duets, and, and my, my honest answer is that any song that we've ever had a duet in mind has never started out to be a duet in mind. It's just always developed. You, you sometimes get an idea in your head of maybe a different voice, playing a role within it so um, and that that was a prime example that when we we started working on that song um, it was originally Thorsten's song the music and I, I put lyrics together and melodies and, and and did all of the kind of demo singing with with Pete the drummer and uh, we, we felt that another voice on there could add a certain element to the song so we started to uh, discuss who we, we would approach and we, we all figured out that, that AFM had Leaves Eyes at the time, Liv was still in the band and uh, we thought, okay, let's speak to them and see if she would be interested and, and got in touch and, and she did a great job, wonderful job in fact. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was a great job. And uh, yeah, I always forget about the whole people being on labels because the other person I thought would be great on that is uh, is Elise Ride from uh, Amaranth would have uh, been a really good vocal foil for uh, Nicola on that one too. Yeah, she's she's fabulous. Yep, great yeah. singer. Yeah, yep, definitely. So you know, I know you guys have stuff coming up in November, right? You kick off at the Cat House in Glasgow, on November twenty first. Now, is that yep. just kind of the the first few dates, and you're going to do something a little bit more extensive? No, it's a full UK tour, so we're doing seven dates in the UK um, from the 21st of November. Seven shows in a row, in fact. We finish on the 27th um, in London, uh, and then we're off to Germany and Switzerland in February for a tour, which will be announced very shortly. We're we're supporting a kind of bigger German band. So, yeah, we hope to, to get out to some other countries on on the cardinal tour whether it be headlines or supports we're, we're always looking at that cool cool and uh you guys going to be playing jericho live 
Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's a rehearsal nightmare right there, because that, uh, that's definitely a beast of a track. to find out that which songs, you know, we've been saying to people that Cardinal Material is the hardest and most technically advanced we've ever created. Well, I can tell you for sure it is. You start you start playing those songs and you throw in the fact that you've got to sing backing vocals at the same time. Um, it is extremely hard. So at the moment, where I'm, I'm kind of... I know all the other material. I could play it with my eyes shut. So when I'm rehearsing, I'm rehearsing the six songs that we're doing from Cardinal and I'm kind of picking and choosing what else I rehearse. But those songs are on the daily treadmill at the moment on the bass. <laughs> but it's an incredible song to play live. There's so many different layers to it. Um, it's great fun. It's got a great groove uh, and uh, just thoroughly enjoyable. And, and the whole point of writing a song like that was... I think it will be phenomenal live and I think people will love it. Um, interestingly enough, we did our um, launch party at the Hard Rock Cafe in Glasgow on Thursday evening and uh, that song was the talk of the, the room at the end of it. Cool. And I, I got to compliment you once again on, on a great uh, a great sequencing of the album too and the, the way you guys laid these songs out that uh, you've kind of spaced out the shorter ones, the longer ones, that the, the tempos kind of bring you from one song into the other. And there is kind of an element of, of an entire almost concept within the album as well. But uh, just think, once again, just a really great, uh, great new release from you guys. 
Thank you very much, Scott. And and then we, you know, that's that's not by accident. That's something we work very hard on um, when we're coming towards the production point um, with mixes, and we're getting to that kind of level. We we do keep a kind of chart going that that, that records all of the BPMs of the songs for that reason alone. And we, we we sometimes, well, we actually every time we split it into a side one, side two, because we want. The second side and the first side to to really be as strong as each other and start well in each section and you know have no dips in the middle. I think sometimes if you can push a couple of songs that are roughly with the same BPM together, it can have a negative effect. So it's it's quite a meticulous process that we go through, and usually there's several iterations of it. Um, before we even get to the final final running order, um, you know, we, we we'll each have kind of a playlist set up in iTunes that we're running those mixes on and feeding back to each other within a couple of days of what works and what doesn't work. You you normally have in your mind, you know. For example, Prophets of Doom, we always knew was going to be the opening tune. Um, it was always written as as something to be that, and then it's just figuring out what what comes after it, when does the ballad come and what's going to close the record and everything else is 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 kind of it doesn't take care of itself but you have to just give a, an element of thought there as well. So it's uh, nice to hear such feedback like that because these are the things that not a lot of people notice. Yeah, no, I mean you get a song like, you know, like Find My Way, you know, it's 7 minutes long and yeah, like you said when you think about it as a side one side two, it's like yeah, that's a great side closer but on a CD, I mean to have, you know, you get a perfect lead in with with the messiah complex and you got kind of this seven minute epic and then you need that palate cleanser and kingdom of solitude just does that so well and and you know just if you were to stick two long songs on you know neck back to back or something that was really similar like you said in tempo wise yeah it would it would i think would be detrimental to the prior song so yeah i just like i said it it shows you guys took a lot of care in, in how you sequenced it yeah i agree i agree with that but that's cool Great feedback, thank you. And of, and of course, I know you guys work with Thomas Everhart again on the cover stuff, and I'm I'm anxiously awaiting my uh, my package from AFM. I I uh, I got the uh, the import version. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the whole gatefold and full physical effect. But uh, I like the fact you guys always put such care into the packaging, even in these days where a lot of people just buy the digital one. That you guys still go the extra mile, work with great artists, and you know this time gatefold digipack and all that i mean a lot of bands just don't do that anymore but you guys do and it's cool yeah we're very we're very old school in that department i mean i, I know that that's certainly a business model that the likes of um, afm and and even if you look uh, across uh, across the country in germany at nuclear blast these are labels who still firmly believe in that um and, and i'm delighted to be able to work with somebody of, of the caliber of thomas who, who's been with the band as long as dennis has been with the band you know they're both approaching 10 years working with eden's curse and uh, I'm a firm believer if something is not broke, don't fix it. So um, we we are, you know, lucky to have these guys not only as, you know, um, regular collaborators, but they're, they're great friends now and they know what an Eden's Curse album should look like. Dennis knows what it should sound like and it's, it's very easy to continue to work with people when they produce great output. Um, and, and Thomas is just one of these guys that's so in tune with the, the kind of visions that I bring to him, the titles that I bring to him. Uh, this, this time was, was, was the biggest kind of project that we undertook because the, all of the five girls are local to us 
with. Um, so involved for the first time ever was a, a full photo shoot. Um, and, and again, as I said, I really wanted to use them in the video as well. And they're going to, they, they were there at the launch night on Thursday, which was awesome because, I mean, at the end of the launch night, nobody wanted pictures with us. They wanted pictures with the, with the girls. And, and Scott, you know, unashamedly, we know our demographic is middle-aged men. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. So if you don't know your market base and you don't play to it, then you maybe don't know marketing 101. Yeah. So we we signed a few CDs, but the, the queue for the girls to get their pictures with the guys and they were in their, their costume from the album cover was great. And it was such a cool thing to be able to do to the fans that they will come away. I mean, I saw the girls even signing the art, artwork as well and people were opening the gatefold. So it was great for them too. And it really was, was quite a, a little promotional um, kind of win for us. And uh, we'll, we'll have them on the Glasgow show to open the tour. We'll have them on stage as well during a couple you know, at the intro for sure, and then we'll bring them out to sell your soul. So it worked very well for us, and and the, the package was phenomenal. I mean, Thomas has has just done an incredible uh, job, and it was AFM's idea to do a, a triple gatefold. Once they got the photos from us from the photo shoot, they said, "Geez, this is great. Let's let's do something with this." Um, so it was it was just a meeting of all like-minded people getting together and producing good work. So it's this the you know and even if you think about the live album that we did, that's a double CD. Um, we we couldn't quite afford, or, or we, to be honest, we couldn't want to spend the amount of money that a Blu-ray was going to do at this point in our career. It would have put the band on the road for two weeks and tour. Um, we felt that a double live album, old school style, where it's like double CD, great artwork package, tons of live photos. I, I just remember going through the likes of Live After Death myself and loving all of those photographs and you know pages of Bruce Dickinson and one of Steve Harris. We really wanted to go old school with that as well. And it shows, you know, we care about the product. Uh, and we want to look back at it too and appreciate it, you know, in years to come and, and you know, look back in our time in Eden's Curse and just feel very proud about everything we've done. So we care very much in all areas. We care about the way we're presented. We care about the, the, the way that our brand is presented. We care about our finished product, how it looks, how it sounds. And, and I'm hoping that people will, will begin to almost just realise that when an Eden's Curse album drops on your doormat, you know what you're going to get. You know that you're going to get a great looking package and something that sounds top dollar. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, people want to find out more. They can always head over to EdensCurse.com or, of course, if you're using Facebook, Eden's Curse Official, right? Spot on, yep. Awesome, awesome. Well, cool. Spot on. Always great to talk to you, Paul. You know, I hope it isn't going to be another three years till we talk again, but if it is, I know it will be because we're talking about another incredible group of music like Cardinal. But uh, I, I'll say, well, well done, well done. Thank you, Scott, and it is always a pleasure. I mean, I, I do a lot of these interviews, and they're not always as easy as, as when I speak to you, and it's good fun. So um, thanks for that, mate. I do look forward when I see your name come up on the list. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, I Thank you, brother. That. All right. You're welcome. Have Take care. Rest Enjoy the, the rest. All you right. too, mate. Bye. All the best. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm Frank Domino from Angel, and you're listening to Focus on Metal.
this Scott? Yes, it is. Hey, it's Frank Danino. Hey, Frank. How we doing tonight? Good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. All right. Glad to be able to good. talk to you. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you, too. So, obviously, you can probably tell from a little bit of the accent that uh, I'm another uh, native son of the Boston area, so uh, pleased <laughs> to be speaking with another one of them. Where are you living? Uh, I live in Lowell, so just about, you know, about 35 minutes outside of Boston. Oh, wow. Very cool. I know uh, you were uh, a Revere boy. Yes, I'm a severe Revere boy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, very very cool. I've I've talked to only two other pe one either one other person actually that's that played that whole same club circuit that uh, that I did in my bands as well. And that other person was Joe Perry. So uh, so some, some good company. Uh, yeah, there. well, yeah, well, we we were both playing those same uh, the the same club circuit at the same time. <laughs> we were both around the same age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you got involved with a lot of the same people too. But you know, back in yeah. the day and going on forward. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And definitely, I, I know you probably have experienced the the, uh, the wonder of playing in Somerville clubs, and you wonder why Somerville just is the most unhappiest town in the world. It's <laughs> funny. Obviously, talking to you tonight because uh, you have a great solo album out on Frontiers called Old Habits Die Hard. I think Correct. extremely apt title uh, because it just, this whole thing, just listening to this, it brings back you know, a lot of great memories of a lot of the music that I loved, you know, back in the seventies, a lot of that great stuff with the B3 and, and the harmony right. and all of that, but also you've brought it back to 2016 as well. And you did it so damn well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, that was key. <laughs> I didn't want to say, I didn't want it to sound old and I didn't want it to sound, you know, uh, that it, that it wasn't up to date. So we, we, uh, we worked hard on making sure that that was the case between yeah. uh paul and myself uh sonically uh definitely yeah yeah really work well and definitely not to crap on punky but listen i you know listen to so punky solo album too and i was kind of like mm -hmm. oh, I, I wish it was more like frank's and uh, <laughs> you always definitely uh, absolutely hits the mark i think it's there's something here for everybody you know but between thank you you know like you're listening to, to, to rock in the city and holy crap, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost, you got like some Dio flavor. You got some, mm -hmm. wow. There's a lot of listening to like Glenn Hughes in there. Cause you got the R and B and, and all of that. Yeah. And, and so you got that, but then for someone who might be younger songs like mad as hell or the quest also right. really hit that yeah. mark as well. Very cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked it. Cause that's exactly what I, what I, uh, what I wanted. Mm. Um, you know, um, Especially the uh, you know the, drawing from all the, uh, the the bands that I that I grew up with and and all the bands that I toured with as well. So I mean um, you know there's a lot of a lot of stuff in there. And the other thing too is when you know when uh, we went into uh, writing for this album, um, uh, I, I think it freed me up a little to write uh, as a solo artist as opposed to uh, writing for a band. So uh, I think that helped as well. I think it freed me up a little bit more. Hmm. And it's interesting, you know, you put this out as as Domino instead of uh, you know as as Frank Domino. Was that a was that a Frontiers idea or was that something that you decided to do? Um, I I, I guess I, I thought maybe the uh, the full name might be too much to handle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed like it would be easier just to put it under my last name. So yeah, it makes it sound so band like when you did it like that too. Yeah, yeah. So at yeah. first when I saw it, I was like, oh, wow, has Frank got like a new band together and he's just doing it under his name and then uh, <laughs> got, got momentarily all psyched up. So you got you had a lot of great guests on this album as well. You want to talk about that a bit? 
Yeah. Um, you know, with um, the one thing that I did was, uh, you know, when we first started the album, uh, talking to Paul and uh, getting everything together with uh, with with the sound and who was going to play on it, is that I, I really wanted... Um, I want I wanted the same bass player and drummer to the whole album, so it didn't sound like a, a bunch of different different bands playing. I wanted it to sound like a band, so um, so we used the guys in Meatloaf. Uh, you know, he said uh, he said let's bring in uh, Danny and, and John, and I, and I played with both of those guys out here. And I know them, uh, so I was very comfortable using them. So uh, that's what we decided to do. We used them for most all all the stuff, and then as far as uh, guitars. Um, I felt that I was covered with uh, Paul, uh, Oz, and uh, Jeff Lebansky. But uh, what happened was I ended up using, uh, you know, different people for solos, which was, it was kind of fun. And it just kind of happened that way um, uh, for the, um, uh, for um, Pat Thrall was a good friend of mine. So Pat wanted to play on the, uh, on the album. Uh, and, um and Stones by the River, I thought, was a perfect song for him to play on, so we sent him that song. And uh, as far as the Punky song, you know, when, when Oz and I wrote that, uh, Oz said, you know, uh, I, th- I was thinking of kind of like an Angel song, you know, chord structure-wise, and uh, it wouldn't be great if we get Punky to play the solo in that. So I said, why not? And that kind of like snowballed uh, into, you know, asking different people to play on the, on the, uh, on the album um, so I called up Punky and asked him if he'd play on the track. He said, of course. So I sent him the track. And and the same thing with um, uh, Tonight's the Night. Um, Eddie uh, just happened to be in town, coming in town from the uh, the NAMM convention. And um, uh, he is a good friend of myself and Paul's. And he asked what was going on. And we told him that we were doing my solo album. So we asked if he could come down and listen to us. So I said, yeah, come on down. So we came down and listened to it. And then uh, as we were playing it, you know, I said, would you like to play on one of the tracks? And he said, of course. So I, I, I sent him home with one of the tracks and he came back the next day and played a solo on it. So, and that's kind of how the whole thing kind of went, you know, even with, uh, with, uh, with Ricky, uh, we were really looking for, uh, a slide guitar and, uh, Ricky's a good friend of, uh, of Ken Chi and Chimino's, uh, who, uh, who's the executive producer on the album. And, um, so Ken called him up and, and I knew Ricky from the old Blackfoot days cause uh, we did a lot of shows with him mm. and, uh, and he, he squeezed it in. He, he, he didn't know if he'd have enough time to do it between Blackfoot and, uh, Leonard Skinner, but, uh, he said, uh, send the track over to me and let me see if I can uh, get the time to do it. So we sent it over and, uh, he made it just barely in time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and of course, when it came to Matt as hell, I had both Jeff and Paul play the solos on that because, uh, <laughs> they're both good friends of mine. And Paul, of course, Paul produced the album. And, uh, and that particular night, all they could talk about was they were trading back and forth, uh, Van Halen licks. And finally, and I had to stop them and say, please, guys, let's, <laughs> let's put down the damn solo. <laughs> so, uh, they put down the solo and, uh, and that was, that was actually a fun track to do. <laughs>
uh, yeah, all the guys, uh, all the guys, it just, it just kind of happened organically for me. So yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And, and it does overall, it does really have that like a band sound as well, which is really cool. And, and you know, you mentioned yeah. Twice the Night, and I'm looking at the track list and I'm thinking, oh, wow, everything's going so well. He didn't do like a Rod Stewart cover. Please tell me no. <laughs> I was like so happy it wasn't. <laughs> no, no Rod Stewart covers. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's cool, you know, working with the guys that, uh, you know, Meat Loaf's guys as well. I know he's always had some really good musicians. I can remember uh, one time uh, back in the 80s, I ended up. My band actually opened for Meatloaf at the Channel. Of course, you remember the Channel. It's a, oh wow, yeah, I remember it's the a channel, parking yeah. lot now. But at that time, and yeah. I just remember that. Oh, what a killer band! And, and the whole time was taken up by the female backup singers arguing about who was going to put the cape on me at the end. <laughs> and as poor musicians, are just like, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, he's had a lot of really good guitar players play with yeah. him as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, your your guitar lineup on here is is really killer, and you know, and having having guys like Jeff on here that he, I mean, he doesn't guest on a lot of stuff either, and, and uh, to have right, him on there and, right. and Oz and be able to stretch out a little bit is yeah. definitely pretty cool. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, you know, as far as you know, as Jeff, do you do you remember you know seeing you in uh, in my buddy Bob Nalbanian's documentary? And you know, inside Ellie Metal, and I know you had some great quotes in that documentary as well. And and do you remember yeah. Jeff from back in those days? Yes, absolutely, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the absolutely. old uh, probably was probably playing at Gazaris every time you saw him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're funny. you know you're really busy doing like all kinds of stuff, but uh, it, have you talked about any plans of going out and, and touring against any of this stuff at all? Well, yeah, I'd really like to, but it's a, it's a matter of right, right now. Things are so crazy out there. The music business is just it's just a weird business, you know. I mean, it's just turned into so such a bizarre thing. You know, I'm I'm reading I'm reading an interview with Paul McCartney, and Paul McCartney's newest album sold fifteen thousand records. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know what? It's just so crazy. He said he said uh, he said in the interview he said he said you know fifteen thousand a day was a bad day. Now it's just fifteen thousand. You know, it's like. He said, but you know, I mean, I, I you know, I went through uh, a lot more albums sold per day than, than than what's going on now, but that's just the way it is, and uh, it, it is it, it is a strange business right now because there's no place to to sell your records anymore. Um, yeah, you know, you put it, you stream them now through Spotify, through other other kind of streaming uh, programs and stuff, and um, there's no place to play them on the radio either. You know. Uh, with satellite radio is uh, it, it's like you would think that there was only like five or six bands in the world, you know, and they, and they play this, the same songs from the same band. So, you know, I thought when satellite first started, maybe it would be great, you know, they'll open up some things because there's so many different channels, but they seem to be locked in the, the same bands all the time, just like FM used to be. Uh, uh, of course, when we started, it was a whole different deal. You know, I mean, they were playing, they were playing deep cuts off our first solo album. I mean, our first, our very first album with Angel. Mm. You know, uh, they don't do that anymore. So you got to kind of count on internet radio to do stuff like that. And um, and as far as live shows, it's it's up to the promoters if they want to buy the show. Uh, I'd love to play. I'm, I'm doing a whiskey uh, October 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jeff Duncan is coming out with me, and I got Scotty Coogan on drums, who's uh, who's out with Ace Freely right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, great. But and, and, yeah, and another great. Boston and he, guy too. <laughs> and you know, um, I I have uh, I have some other dates. 
uh, in Northern California, and um, I'm trying to get some other dates uh, across the country. Uh, so we'll see what happens, you know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think all these things they they all have a really live sound as, as well, which is which is cool. That's why I just like it'd be great to actually see them live. You know, sometimes absolutely, yeah. You know, they you know sometimes uh, on uh, on frontiers, you know, Serafino gets an idea, puts a band together, and you're like, yeah, okay, it's great on the album. I just really can't hear it live. And then you get other ones that that he puts out, and it's like, oh man, this just it already sounds live, and you just want to yeah. Connect, yeah get that energy off of it. So. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely would be uh, extremely cool to see this stuff out there. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, believe me, I mean that's what I love doing. I love playing live. You know, that's that's what I've been doing. Uh, you know, I have a a local band out here with uh, with Oz and uh, and Jeff Duncan sits in with me uh, when Oz is is uh, doing his striper thing and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean I'm always playing live. I'm singing this Thursday uh, at Vamp uh, and doing some stuff with. Uh, I'm doing. Friday night at vinyl with Dizzy Reed. So I mean, you know, I, I'm always singing live. I'm I I, I love singing live. So mm-hmm. yeah, you so. know, if I can get some dates together, I'll definitely be out there. And of course, that you know answers kind of my other thing was I listened to your voice and and how it it is still so rock solid when a lot of times people that have been doing this this long, especially guys, you, you kind of get a different tonality in there or they really can't do what they used to do and stuff. But mm-hmm. again, I listen to this and I'm thinking, holy shit, how could he keep doing this? I think some some stuff uh, some of it has to do with the fact that you know I, I mean I, I took I started taking vocal lessons when I was nine so I mean I took vocal lessons for a long time and uh, and then I went to Berkeley College of Music for uh, for a few years I took composition and arranging there but but I also teach out here and and teaching is a big thing because I think it kind of reminds me to do what I'm supposed to do as well you know it keeps me on my toes because if I'm telling students to do certain things. I got to make sure that I do them as well. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I'm a fraud. So I mean, I want to make sure that that I'm doing uh, the same stuff that I'm telling them to do. So uh, you know, it kind of helps me out as well. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that you did the Berkeley deal as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
So you're yeah. probably the only the second person I've talked to that actually remembers Jack's drums. Oh yeah, yeah Jack's drums right next. When I went to Berkeley, you know, there was there was only that corner down there. Mm -hmm. Jack's drums. Uh, then uh, two two doors down was Berkeley, and that was it, man. <laughs> you know that that building right there. But I mean, there were some other there were some other buildings where uh, where um, we did. I think I think. The uh, performance center was uh, it wasn't part of Berkeley, but it was used by Berkeley mm -hmm. back then. But uh, yeah. it was very small back then. Yeah, yeah, I, I I go there now, and it's just like holy crap. And and then of course stuff you know like Jacks to me. I used to love going to Jacks with my drummer, and yeah, like, what a cool place to hang out. But now you go down, and it's kind of like it must be a little bit more of a, of a bummer to like be going to Berkeley and and not have all of that. And uh, yeah, all you have now is like you know big box guitar center, and, that, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? You know, even Worcester back then, back then was so small and tiny. You know what I mean? It was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, insane, insane. Yeah. So, so obviously, like you said, you got you got you're doing a whole bunch of stuff out in in Vegas and stuff, and and doing all kinds of kinds of regular stuff as well. So it sounds like I'm I listen to what you do, and I'm thinking, how the hell did you even get time to like fit in being able to do this and so how long overall <laughs> did it take to actually write this thing and, and record this um i let me i would say uh we started um we started writing in november uh um jeff and i started writing in november oz and i started writing a little bit earlier than that and then we started writing in November at the, the, the uh, right at the end of November is when we, we put down all the, uh, the demos. We, we laid them down at, at Oz's place and, um, and then sent them as we were doing the demos, we sent them over to, to Paul and, um, and then we put, uh, we had the, uh, the, from the demos, we had the drums and, uh, and bass put on there. Those guys put the drums and bass on for the rhythm tracks. And uh, we added guitars uh, in December. I think by the second week in December, I started doing um, uh, all the vocals. And uh, we started mixing. We were done in the beginning of February. Okay. So, and the album came out in July. So it was about see, November, December, January. So it was about four months worth of work. Wow. wow. I mean, that's a huge result for, for four months worth of work. Yeah, it, it really was. Because, you know, when it got down to... Uh, when, when when we started with the vocals, it was kind of the last kind of the last thing we were putting on there. Plus, there were, there were a few other solos that we were putting on while I was in the vocals. But it, it was um, from that point on when we started mixing and stuff. It was it was there were long days, very long days that we were putting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think probably too that you know having guys like Oz and Jeff and Paul on the album too, where you know they they really have a sense of knowing all the classic guitar sounds and yet they're still doing yeah. stuff in bands that are doing, you know, really modern stuff with armored saint and all the new stuff, yeah. with striper and all that exactly. probably, probably yeah. helps you really bridge that gap so well. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. You know, uh, and, and having Paul Crook is, is, was, uh, you know, and not only having Paul, but, uh, Pat Thrall too was, uh, was really, uh, he was a fresh pair of ears that Paul and I used every once in a while. Yeah. You know, when things were getting, when our ears were getting kind of tired, you know, we'd always have uh, Pat to use for fresh ears to keep us on track. So it was, it was good to have. We had a lot of good people, uh, you know, to help us get through a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and I 
really couldn't agree with you more either about the about the situation with music now and with radio and you know i listen to this and i'm like this would be like if coz was still around they would be playing every cut off of this thing probably yeah you know but yeah. not today because you got some corporate not program today, in yeah. new york or la <laughs> and they these are 15 songs you're playing this month, you know, every half hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think they have a, a list that every every station goes by. <laughs> it's the same list, I think, that every station goes by. Oh, yeah, they, I mean, yeah they pretty much do. I've gotten my hands on those before, like a programming disc, and, you know, it's for a clear channel, and this is what right. all your AOR stations are going to play this month, and it's like, really? Exactly, it's yeah, like, yeah. Holy crap, yeah. and then you wonder why, like... There's like nothing happening in the music industry. It's like, how about playing right. some other bands? Like, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff out there, you know. I mean, I, you know, there's some crap out there, but there's some, there's a lot of really good stuff, too. I mean, and it, I mean, if you look for it, you can find it. There's some really good stuff. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that, it, you know, it just kind of like falls by the wayside. Yeah. So when you look at this and you, you know, get the album out, what did you gauge as far as what you th- what you would consider a, a success on this? Or you know, was there something that when you did this you said this is really what I'm going for? And and uh, or you know, how did you able to kind of characterize at the end of this that you you did something that you intended? Um, I think uh, when um, when you really when you when when we listened to it after it was uh, it was mastered. I mean, as it was as we were mixing it. Uh, with each track, we, you know, you, you kind of get, you kind of feel a confidence, you know, because it it, it really was uh, was turning out uh, very well. And now, uh, by the time we got to um, to mastering it, um, we had uh, we had Mayo Applebaum um, master it, and and he was really really good to work with um, because he knew exactly what we were going for. Um, and when we got it back, you know, you have you do have a sense that comes over you, you know, when you when you're listening to it. When Paul and I sat and listened to it together, you know, we both knew what was going on, you know, and now you know you both feel really good about it, so you know there's something there's something really good going on there. So uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of feeling that satisfaction with with people that that are close to you and and, and a part of the album as well, you know, that you feel it going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I like the fact that you can put this thing in the car, crank it up, and people give you the look at the stoplight, and you just look at them like, I don't care. Listen to this. This is this is freaking <laughs> awesome. And not only do you, do you start feeling good listening to it, but when you listen to like even some of the lyrics in in uh, Rockin' in the City, I mean, there's some pretty cool lyrics in there, and then uh, you yeah. say some stuff in that song. So it's I, I like yeah. the fact that it you know it, it's kind of the whole package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really happy that you like it because, you know, it, it's always great to hear when you do something that you feel good about. It's always great to hear that someone someone else gets it and, and someone else really uh, enjoys it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, of course, the hard, the hard question, and always, it's always fine that, that singers have the hardest time answering this usually because they're so close to the material. And, of course, since this is your album, it's even closer. What's your to your favorite track right now? You've been living with this thing <laughs> since, you know, for yeah, half a year I don't, now? Yeah, I, I don't know. I you know because I, I go through different. Uh, it, it all depends on what mood I'm in. I guess <laughs> uh, you know, and I like certain tracks or certain things. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, there's little bits and pieces I like. You know, here uh, with uh, um, "Can't Stop Loving You." I I like the middle part because you know when we were screwing around with it, uh, it was a little uh, Zeppelin thing. You know, we did <laughs> we did the the pre delay like on a uh, whole lot of love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So, I mean, I, you know, I have that in my head, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. We can, we, get that plea, we can do that plea delay there, and it worked out great. So, I mean, I love that for that. But there's a lot, there's, there's so many different tracks that, you know, that, like I said, it, it depends on what mood I'm in. And, and that's the really nice part about it is that it's not just like one track or two tracks that I feel good about. Mm. I really feel um, good about the album. I, you know, I can play. Uh, I can play uh, any of those tracks and on any certain day and and feel really good about it and uh, and that's when you know you got something really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. I think that uh, this is one of those albums that gets rarer and rarer these days, where you listen to it and pretty much like, wow, I really like everything on here. I mean, there's certain days yeah. where I'm not like really in the in the mood for Stones by the River, but. Uh, there's other yeah, days yeah. <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm digging this today. So, yeah, right, very right. cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for taking some time tonight to talk to us, Frank. I really appreciate it. Hope you got some more great music on the way for us uh, in the years to come as well, because I'm certainly ready for it. Cool. Very cool. Thank you so much, Scott. I All really right. appreciate it. Thanks, Frank. Have a good All rest right. of the night. All right. Take okay. care. You too. Bye. All right, Metalheads, that will do it for yet another week of Focus on Metal. As usual, big thanks to Paul Logue for coming back on the show again this week, talking all about the new Eden's Curse release, Cardinal, as well as first-time guest Frank Domino telling us all about Old Habits Die Hard. Played quite a few samples off of both of those albums, and hopefully that'll convince you that that's uh, stuff you want to go out and get. So if you do, please support the artist and go out and buy yourselves copies. So as I said, that's a wrap for this week. Uh, in the meantime, you can always keep up with us at focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.com. Hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And of course, as we're entering into December, there's always great metal spec- Specials abound. AFM is doing their annual holiday sale, so uh, be sure to check that out. And I know Nuclear Blast has some cool stuff, too. So buying some cool metal for yourself or your family or friends always makes you uh, have a great metal week. But uh, until we talk to you again next time, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.